I'm SP from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show about the general Marvel comic universe, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other hilarious and fun geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. This is the official guineageek.com show. Each week we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. Welcome to the final 2021 episode of the official Gunna Geek Show. I am Steven, and with me, of course, is Chris Farrell. I can't wait to talk about J.J. Abrahams today. <laughs> also, we've got SP. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? This is the final episode of 2021. Yes. Uh, if you didn't hear that last week, yeah, we're taking a bit of a hiatus. So I thought I'd I'm throw prepared. on my festive gear. Uh, got, me, got me wait. my Santa hat on. I, I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> just wait. He, he, uh, SP's going to go join us right now. Chris has his wreath. Uh, and uh, as, uh, for the audio listener, SP is reaching into the abyss of the desk and he is grabbing his Santa hat. And there we go. He's got it. He's got it there right now. Managed to convince all of you guys to put on some Christmas stuff in September. Mission accomplished. <laughs> I think our live chat's probably leaving us right now. By the way, this is, this is, it's way too warm of weather, even though it was raining today. It's way too warm of weather to be wearing a Santa hat right now. Like, th this is way too early. <laughs> Well, some of us actually have air conditioning, so we can make it. We can make it cool. We can make it snow in the podcast studio here. Oh, and Chris has now put on his lighted hat. This went way better than I thought. These guys I thought would ridicule me, but no, they have just decided to join. So this there is you because go. Chris doesn't clean up his studio, and all of this stuff was sitting stacked up behind my desk, ready for Christmas. Love I've it. been, I've been lamenting not having a special this year. So yeah, if this is going to be it, let's do it. Uh, hey, um, I want to give a shout out right now. This is a year, n less than a year, I guess. We'll call it a year. We'll pretend it's December. A year in the making. Uh, I am wearing a geeky jersey. That is a Christmas jersey. And I, I want to say right now, credit where credit is due, is last year in 2020, we finished doing our Gonna Geek show a couple weeks before Christmas, just like we always do. We pre-record an episode, all of that stuff there. And um, yeah, it was like, I think the day before Christmas, I got a package in the mail. And this was actually something that SB sent. So uh, this is the premiere of the geeky jersey uh, Christmas jersey, which I believe was intended to be the 2020 debut. But hey, that's what 2020 did was just screwed up everything. Yeah, you buy those things and they show up like six, nine months later. I think I had one show up like 14 months later after I purchased it. But it was the pandemic 2020. And uh, even though they make those geeky jerseys, that's the brand, by the way, geekyjerseys.com. Even though they are made in Canada, in Toronto, it took forever to get to Stephen last year because of the shipping issues, which we're probably going to get again this year. But I just want to say, Stephen, Merry Christmas, and I'm glad you got your Christmas garb for this year. Well, anyways, I thank you, and I enjoy it. Uh, not a lot of time last year to wear, but I will be wearing it all over December when it's 
much more comfortable weather, not 25 degrees in my studio. Uh, but hey, uh, yeah. Hey, 25 degrees, that's ice time. <laughs> Fair enough. <sighs> but no, we are here to do the uh, final episode of 2021 because we are taking a bit of a hiatus. Hopefully we'll come back in 2022. We might be a little bit different. We're going to talk about some things offline between now and then. We just, uh, I explained last week a little bit about it. If you want to check out that episode, you can check that out in last week's episode. But yes, this will be the final episode of 2021. And uh, we'll probably say a few things at the end, but I just wanted to right now uh, mention that it's Christmas. Spoiler alert, <laughs> the new show will be done in a strip club. <laughs> what? Yep. So, so recording uh, live from the club. Andrew's going to produce it now. <laughs> Me? That's a shout out. How much this. wine you got? <laughs> I don't know if I'd want him to produce a show with the amount of wine that he consumes. We're talking about someone on the GFQ network, but you can go and you can tweet at Suncast with a K on Twitter and ask him all about that. And he'll let you know the inside scoop on that. But let's go ahead and move on to the news. Should we do that? Yep, please. Let's do it. All right, let's kick this all off with some Babylon 5 news. There's Babylon 5 news? Or are you going to babble about Babylon 5 news? <laughs> Perhaps. And I will also say as an aside, this hat is really hot. Yeah, mine is too, but it's probably going to be gone pretty soon. But <laughs> It's going to have to go away soon. In fact, I might just have to do it before I do my part because it's blinking and that's probably annoying. Uh, for the audio listener, Chris is taking off the hat and he is now... Yeah, sorry, everyone he, on audio. I had he, to take my hat. He's removed the hat. Know what your problem is? I grabbed my smart app and I turned the temperature down. It's all fine here. Uh, We're good in the SP studio. So jealous. So jealous. But what broke the switch on it? It won't turn off. Oh no! <laughs> there it goes. It finally went. So what's with ba- what's with the Babylon Five news? What's going on there? Oh, I just knocked my pile down. <laughs> I need to clean up my office space. <laughs> all right so let's talk television shows here i don't know about you guys but in the early 90s one of my favorite sci-fi shows started airing babylon 5 by j michael j michael excuse me straczynski it was syndicated for its first four seasons or rather it aired on what was called the primetime entertainment network which was a conglomerate of a variety of different networks that combined to show all sorts of different programs and then its fifth season was shown on tnt uh, Babylon 5 was headed up by J. Michael Straczynski. Like I said, it's arguably one of the best sci-fi shows of all time, and you can probably credit it in its highly serialized storytelling with a lot of the storytelling we get in sci-fi today, where you get very serialized storylines that last multiple seasons instead of traditionally what we'd seen before with, say, Star Trek The Next Generation, which a show I also love, but is pretty much one and done or two and done episodes, and there's not very many plot threads the tie over from say an episode in season one to an episode in season three where something's connected. Babylon five was well known for the fact that uh, JMS, as he's called, wrote what he called was his show Bible to outline what the entire five year arc of the story was going to be, but then also built a outline around that of what the I think thousand or 2000 years history of the galaxy was so that he would be able to tell a story and have a bunch of details in the background. 
He was also very smart, and he's talked about this before, in that any character he introduced into his TV show, he also had a backdoor way set up to write them out should something happen. And we saw that happen a few times in the original B5 when uh, Commander Sinclair left, when uh, Talia left, the Talia the Telepath left, a few other folks where he had stories planned for them. The actors had reasons they couldn't hang around, and he had to make use of his off-ramps for these characters to get rid of them. So JMS, very, very talented writer. In fact, during the run of Babylon 5, five seasons, 110 episodes, he won a variety of prizes, including a Hugo Award, a Saturn, the Space Frontier Foundation Award, and the Ray Bradbury Award. So why do I bring all of this up? Well, for a long time, there were a lot of questions as as to whether JMS would continue telling the story of Babylon 5. And for those that aren't aware, Once it ended its run, there was a couple spinoff series or a couple TV movies, things like that. And in recent days, JMS and Warner Brothers have kind of hit a loggerheads and not really known what the future of the franchise was going to be or if any more stories were going to be happening. In fact, JMS was just as surprised as fans when the remastered edition of Babylon 5 hit the HBO Max streaming service. So imagine my shock today when I log on to the Twitter machine and I see this article on The Hollywood Reporter. Now, I'm just going to read the first three lines of the article, which is really first three paragraphs, but I've condensed them a little bit. Beginning with, The CW is heading to space. The younger skewing broadcaster is teaming with the original series creator, J. Michael Straczynski, for a reboot of Babylon 5. Described as a from-the-ground reboot of the original, Straczynski will pen the script for an all- for a new potential version of the former syndicated drama from Warner Brothers TV. The new take will revolve around John Sheridan, originally played by Bruce Boxleitner, you know, Tron, an Earth Force officer with a mysterious background who is assigned to Babylon 5, a five-mile-long space station in neutral space, a port of call for travelers, smugglers, corporate explorers, and alien diplomats at a time of uneasy peace and the constant threat of war. His arrival triggers triggers a destiny beyond anything he could have imagined as an exploratory Earth company accidentally triggers a conflict with a civilization millions of years ahead of us, putting Sheridan and the rest of the B-5 crew in the line of fire as the last best hope for the the survival of the human race. Now, this sounds very familiar to what the plot was of the original B-5 arc, but my guess is they'll be doing something different so it's not, if you've seen the original series, you probably won't know exactly what is going on. Yeah. We were all surprised by this, but I was also, continuing the surprise trend, pretty surprised to see that the original cast of Babylon 5, of which sadly not a lot remains, they've been hit hard by a lot of people passing due to health issues and things like that. They've all been in the loop. How do I know that? Because I saw Claudia Christian, who played Captain Susan Ivanova in the series, post on Twitter. I know some of you saw the announcement that WB is doing a B5 reboot series. I know you have a lot of questions like for me, like, are you playing Ivanova? Are there going to be telepaths? What year is this taking place? Well, folks, I know nothing. Zip, nada. Joe has kept us in the loop from day one on this because he wants us involved with the show, but we have no idea at this time what's in the script or what the story is. Only Joe knows that for now, so you should go bug him about it. He won't tell you, but the results should be amusing. I personally am grateful that I will once again be uttering the great maker's fabulous dialogue but I know not what that will entail. Exciting, eh? So while the CW has not officially picked this up, it's just a pilot order, I am cautiously optimistic because I'm a big fan of JMS. I'm a big fan of Babylon 5, but I'm also very curious to see how this reboot is going to work to give us more of a modern, newer take on B5, but also how they tailor it to the slightly younger skewing CW audience. That might be 
more of my concern is how they're going to tailor that. But who knows? It could be really good. JMS is involved. He wrote almost the entire original scripts for Babylon 5. He's gone on to write other things like Sense8 and other series that also skewed younger in some regards. So this could be a rousing success or they could break my heart and there's just a pilot filmed and nothing comes of it. But hey, guys, Babylon 5 reboot may be coming. Hopefully you guys are excited as I am. Well, I, I will start off by saying I've never actually watched Babylon 5, so I will have to oh, watch man. that at some point. However, it's so fun. I um, I think this, you know, this sounds promising. The CW has had a great track record for taking taking material and not driving it into the ground as well. You know, recent years with uh, doing pilots like Powerpuff Girls and things like that. And, you know, things, things are just going really well over there at the CW. But uh, no, kidding aside, I... I do question, like, I think whenever the CW, whenever they come up with a show at this point, you need to think there's going to be teen angst and things like that in there. However, we don't know. Maybe they are looking to evolve again. Because if you remember, Arrow did not start off in the CW way. It was not teen angsty at first. It was later seasons and, and even... The first season of The Flash really wasn't. It, it it got rapidly more CWE as things went on. Arrow was sort of looked at as, oh, maybe maybe they're turning a new stone or turning a new page on the CW. And Lo um, Superman and Lois, I have to say, while there are teen angsty elements in it, it's not really CW teen angsty elements. It's it's elements that makes sense given the plot of Superman and Lois. It is not the CW teen angst that we know. So we'll see. They, they might go in trash season two with Superman and Lois, but that's a series right there that I think shows that potentially maybe they won't do that with Babylon 5 because, again, Arrow at one point was the outlier on the CW network, and maybe we'll, we'll get that with Babylon 5, but I wouldn't hold your breath. No comic, SP. <laughs> well, you cut undercut one of my arguments there, and uh, I'll let you have what you're <laughs> going to say. Uh, okay, you know, whatever. We'll see. We'll see what the truth is. I don't plan on watching it if it's on the CW. Just the same as I don't plan on watching anything as genre-related on NBC or sci-fi for all those same reasons. But let me help you out here since you never watched Babylon 5. It was this phenomenal series. The lead was Kevin Sorbo. It was that, great. That, that, that's Andromeda. Yeah. Oh, oh. Well, it, there was this phenomenal <laughs> series. The lead was Ben Browder. No, that, that's Farscape. Farscape. Oh. But the lead um, was Nathan Fillion, is what you're about the, to say the, next, right? The, no, no. The, the lead <laughs> was Richard Dean Anderson. It was a great, actually, it was an ensemble cast, but okay. Richard Dean Anderson was in there. I thought it was Joe Flanagan. I thought it was Jerry Seinfeld. Edward James <laughs> Olmos. You've seen him, right? Edward the old Norton? man himself. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I have, not, I have not seen Babylon 5 either, and it's not for the lack of not wanting to. It's because I just haven't had time. And even though we've been in this pandemic for a year and a half, I have been catching up with a lot of things. I have seen different episodes on Babylon 5 as it was being rerun on sci-fi back in the day. Not Skiffy, but sci-fi back in the day. And it interests me, but I always was like, okay, I want to pick this up from episode one. And I just didn't get into it the way I did Stargate SG-1, uh, the Battlestar Galactica series, that sort of thing. So I would be interested 
in picking this up in a rewatch, as well as all of those series that I just said, Farscape and Andromeda and everything else. And you know, it's cheesy. I heck just today on, I forget if it was on AMC, but they were playing aliens and I was watching the graphics on the movie aliens. Now the movie aliens was pretty big back in the time, but the scene with the dropship coming down to the planet that was really, really cheesy whenever they showed the dropship with the backdrop of the sky in there and everything. And so it's just, you go back to stuff that you thought was really good and you're like, eh, it doesn't hold a candle for today. So reboot, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I do question whether you want to reboot it with the original cast. I know mm. Star, Star no, Trek, the next not- generation, I, I know, I get it. So Star Trek The Next Generation had a lot of the original cast come over either as their own selves or they played somebody else. So I know it's possible, but I doubt I, that they're bringing them back as their original characters. Now you might just have some cameos of Bruce Boxleitner as another character in the mm-hmm. show, similar to how we had a uh, oh uh, Richard Hatch in Babylon, not Babylon Five, in uh, Battlestar Galactica as Tom Zarek, and then as the original Captain Apollo. We, I think it's along yeah. those kind of lines what they're doing. And in this case, Bruce is acting. He's all over the Hallmark Channel, so he is active. Mm-hmm. Bruce Boxleitner has been very active in both the uh, convention community and in continuing his career. In fact, a lot of these guys have continued to do stuff and kept acting. It's just, like I mentioned earlier, the original cast has been hit very hard by people passing away. And if you remember, though, like the CW formula early days of the Arrowverse, what was not to bring them as their original character, they they would make new characters for them, even like John Wesley Shipp, right? Like he he was not his original character. So um, originally until they went to crisis. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, so I think there is precedent there to think that that could be the way that they go. But hey, you know what? If this moves forward, I guess maybe I'll have to throw Babylon 5 on my watch list. We'll I don't know where it's streaming in Canada right now. I'm sure I can but find I, it. But I mean, you might know someone who has a Plex server that has the entire <laughs> run of Babylon 5 yeah. on it. I'm just Maybe saying. it's been available. Maybe. It's, uh, a lot of people have the entire DVD sets yeah. that have ripped them and put them on their Plex server. So yeah, it's possible. You mean these right here? Oh, look, yeah. Chris Farrell is holding up the whole box set of Babylon 5. Or it, This it's- is the movie collection. Oh, um. mm. I have them all here because honestly, I ripped them all of my own personally owned DVDs. So it is completely legal to put on my Plex server so I could watch them digitally because they weren't streaming anywhere. A month after I did that, they announced, hey, Babylon 5 is coming to HBO Max with the remastered special effects. And I went, God, I wasted like three days ripping DVDs. That's funny. (laughs) But it will go away. It will go into somebody's lockbox for a while. I am not going to reach up and get it, but way up on the shelves behind me, I have all the Farscape stuff. Same thing. Well, Warner Brothers owns it, so I don't think it's going anywhere on their own service. All right. Well, let's go on to the next news point here. Uh, Beam me up, Scotty. That's right. So Blue Origin has actually gotten a lot of news in the past week. And one of the things was Star Trek related. So we'll get to that in a second. But today, Blue Origin announced that the next two New Shepard passengers, who they will be, in a statement released at 9 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Monday, September 27th, 2021, which was today. So in a launch slated for liftoff on Tuesday, October 12th, the company will carry Dr. Chris Bashunzin who is a former NASA engineer and co-founder of Planet Labs, 
and Glenn DeVries, who's Vice Chair, Life Sciences and Healthcare, Desalt Systems, and co-founder Metadata, spelled M-E-D-I-D-A-T-A. Blue Origin will announce the next two passengers in the coming days, and they insinuated that there will be a total of four, not six, as the capsule is capable of carrying. Here's where it gets sporty, guys. TMZ, the noted outer space deep dive technical reporting outlet, they are just deep in the space here, exploded the scene on Friday, September 24th by posting that William Shatner, the original Captain James D. Kirk himself, would be a part of the crew as well. This is a fact that Blue Origin, as of the recording time of this podcast, has not confirmed. Now, if true, Shatner would actually become the oldest person in space because he's 90 years old. TMZ stated that Shatner's mission would be filmed for a documentary. So this is actually William Shatner reaching out to Blue Origin wanting to do this. Meanwhile, according to a CNBC.com report, Jeff Bezos has stated he will double his time with Blue Origin. To What, what do you think is a doubling his time, guys? Do you think he's working a 40-hour week for, with Blue Origin right now since he stepped down as CEO of Amazon? Well, what's, what's zero times two? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. So the report says that he had been working Wednesday afternoons with the company for quite some time. But for the last month or two, he's been spending... Tuesday afternoons with Blue Origin <gasps> wow. as well. So he has doubled his time wow. to effectively be one entire day a week to be with Blue Origin. He's a blue collar worker now, hey? I guess he's just doing, going to that <laughs> clock and clocking in and clocking out every day. Well, no, maybe not. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I, does he really need to be involved in the company uh, 40 hours a week? Uh Originally, probably not. I would argue that if he really wants this to be his life's work, as he mm -hmm. has stated that he wants to, he's got to spend a little bit more than just one day a week with the company. But I think that his involvement in the company, as well as the company's precarious standing in the news, in legal stance, in uh, contract winnings and earnings right now, I think this whole Shatner thing is meant to explode on the scene and TMZ scooped everybody. So he's uh, probably not happy. I don't know. Maybe he's happy. Maybe he's the one that leaked it. I don't know. But I would expect this to come out. And maybe it hasn't come out yet because he hasn't passed the physical needed mm. in order to do it. Let's face it. He's 90 years old. You got to make sure the ticker is good enough to handle three to six G's. You have to make sure that he's going to have the ability to make it up and down their steps. What, what was it like 90 seconds? I can't remember what it was, but he's got to be able to do all that because it's a factor of being a passenger on board New Shepard. So we'll see what happens here. Will Captain James T. Kirk go into space? I don't know. It would be kind of fun. Uh, all kidding aside with everything, it'd be kind of fun. Now, I did some peripheral research into William Shatner into his self-worth. And apparently, the just surface level information that I got says he's worth probably about $100 million. So if that's true, he could afford to do this on his own. It would be a substantial chunk of his self-worth, but he could possibly pay for it. But the TMZ article insinuated that he would be comped for a yeah, flight. It's great, great that's promotion. What I assumed. 
hundred percent great promotion. Like, why would you not want to have the captain? Like, let let's be honest. He is he is the sci-fi captain in the history of sci-fi. Like, you think of if you think of one, it's him. Like that that's that's the roots of of sci-fi. Uh, I I know it, thing lots of sci-fi predated Kevin Star Sorbo? Trek. No, not Kevin Kevin Sorbo, who is Steven, he, he's also Canadian, by the way. But it should have been Scott Bakula. <laughs> Because then you could add Quantum Leap and Trek. Uh, okay, so he, he, I got a couple thoughts on this. Number one, the whole Elon, e, e, uh, the whole Elon, I mean Jeff, working thing. Uh, that's because of Elon. We know that there's been a few there, feud there going on between Blue Origin and SpaceX. We know that that's happening. We know that Elon keeps getting a lot of credit for SpaceX because he's been bloody involved from the beginning. Yeah, I was just going to say just today I noticed a tweet because they were talking about SN20, I believe, moving from one place to the other. And some of the tiles, the heat yeah. uh, reducing tiles for the reentry had come off. And oh. then Everyday Astronaut, well, just when they were moving it, right? So Everyday Astronaut posted and said, yeah, I was wondering about the stability of the panels. Wouldn't scales be better? They're more natural and they'd be overlapping each other, kind of like tiles on a roof sort of thing. and who responded? Elon responded. Yeah. And he and he said, look, uh, no, that would be too much weight. We're actually looking at not going to tiles at all, but we have to perfect the technology first. And tiles, uh, a, a, uh, tiles that are mashed up next to each other are the lightest thing that we can go with. And that's what we are originally designing it for. But that might not be the final configuration. Did that come from an engineer or CEO or somebody at SpaceX? No. That came from Elon himself. I doubt Jeff would even know what the frickin' tile looks like. Uh, also, by the way, apparently Kevin Sorbo is not Canadian. I thought he was. Apparently he's from Minnesota. I really thought he oh, was. No, he's from here. Trust me. Okay. Look at his Twitter. Okay. Let's just leave it at that. I don't know. I'm mixed. I must he's be not mixed. from Tennessee. Hmm. I don't know why I thought Kevin Sorbo was from Vancouver, but hey, you know what? That's fine. Um, he probably lived there for a while while he was filming. Maybe, yeah, maybe. That's quite possible. Um, so, so okay, uh, before all the corrections go to jsagunageek.com. Uh, but no, I, I do think that he's trying to get more involved because he's there's a level of jealousy with, with you know, Elon being synonymous with SpaceX. And, and for good reason, because while there is all of this other talent that is far more educated in this sort of space stuff in the SpaceX organization than Elon. Elon does know a lot and he can answer things factually a, a lot because he's been involved so much from the beginning. Um, the second thing is, as far as the whole uh, Bill Shatner thing, he, here's the thing. Let's say that it's a failure. Let's say that he fails that test. I think there could be very much a plan that he fails a physical. They get all the promo promo. Uh, it mentioned the documentary thing in the TMZ article. Bill gets his his pro, his free promotion from this. Blue Origin gets their free promotion from this. Everybody wins. And you know what Bill's promoting right now? Documentary. His new album that just mm -hmm. released. Sweet. Is okay. <laughs> Before we hop off of this, because yeah, I feel like we're kind of all over the place tonight. Uh, I just want to say. I'm almost through season one of the original series of Star Trek in my Star Trek rewatch, which the original series has literally been like a six month process to get even through a season. It is horrendous. I I'm going to say it right now. People have a lot of times before we re return that they can come to gunnageek.com slash discord and fight me on this. Star Trek, the original series is the least 
including current tellings, it is the least Star Trek-y series of Star Trek. I will say that when you think about the entire what Star Trek is, there is so many things that don't line up with canon. Everyone wants to throw canon out there. There's so many things that don't line up with canon. The storytelling itself is different than the beloved methods that we all look at fondly about Star Trek. And the randomness and the sort of, oh, look at all of this scientific breakthrough things just go away the next episode and they're never, never materialize anywhere in the future of Star Trek. So I, I got to say, like, I think that Star Trek, the original series is the least Star trek of all Star Trek. Star Trek, the, you have to remember, though, Gene Roddenberry got to do all of the original series in like three seasons of Next Gen. Yep. All Trek after that, in which we base our opinions on, yep. is based on other people's interpretations of Gene Roddenberry's vision, of which if you've watched some of the documentaries, you can see where it was a uh, Rick Berman and Michael Pilar, Pillar, I think it was, yeah. kind of changed it from what Gene's original vision would have been. And then you get to Deep Space Nine where they're like, Utopia? <laughs> We're <laughs> going to rip off Babylon 5, sort of, which is a common conspiracy theory. You can find out more about that in other places. But we're like, we're not following the Trek formula. So I understand what you're saying, but you also have to look at it through the lens in which it was, yes. which is Gene Roddenberry Trek versus Trek after Roddenberry versus reboot Abraham's Trek. Yeah, I, I was looking at it through the lens of people on the internet criticizing anything modern going, going, oh, this isn't Star Trek. This isn't Star Trek. Like, like the, their definition of what is Star Trek. That's the lens I'm looking at it through. And I think the original series is like away from all of the TV series. Like, yeah. Anyways. You got to remember that Star Trek, the original series, which it was just called Star Trek at the time, aired at the same time as like the Ponderosa aired and stuff like that. So it was just a different era, hmm. different type of TV. And I think Gene Roddenberry pulled off a phenomenal sci-fi on regular TV that nobody else could at the time. He really did something special to open the door. Could it have been somebody else at somebody other time if Gene wasn't given the the go ahead for Star Trek? Probably. But Star Trek got it not just first with sci-fi, but a lot of firsts in general. I can't argue with the storytelling. I mean, I'm a diehard Star Trek fan. I've gone through the original series several times, uh, a few times with my dad when I was growing up. And then afterwards, uh, like when Sci-Fi Channel first started, it, you just, it, I, I can't, that's one that I just can't go back. I did start a rewatch, but I, I memorized all the freaking episodes. There's 78 or, or 79 episodes and one's a double. So really 80 episodes. I can... You start one and I can say all the dialogue. Does it make it a great show? No, not, <laughs> not anymore. At the time, yes, but not anymore. So it's the same as going going back and watching stupid shows like The Greatest American Hero or you know any, the, the original Battlestar Galactica. It just doesn't hold a candle to what you can do today. And yeah. the important thing is they took Roddenberry Trek movies away from him because the motion picture is terrible and I'll fight you guys about it. 100%. say Wrath of Khan's the best. Yeah, motion picture sucks. Hmm? Which Wrath of Khan? Not the Abrahams one. Okay. And for those that are wondering why I'm calling J.J. Abrams J.J. Abrahams, this is a callback to hundreds of episodes back where we just let J.S. Yeah. keep calling him J.J. Abrahams, Abrahams and kept smirking to ourselves before we finally went, you mean J.J. Abrams? And he gave us a dirty, dirty look and probably cursed at us. I, I, I uh, re-watching, you know, the J.J. Abrahams movies, I, I obviously have more, I've mentioned it, I have more issues now than I used to. 
I I even think that those are more start quote Star Trekky than the original series. And I'll I'll die on this hill that Star Trek Beyond is the best of the reboot movies. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. All right. Well, let's go on to the next news point here, which is all about the USB C port. Because the European Commission has presented legislation that would possibly compel those not using the USB-C port to use the USB-C port on their products. The proposal known as a directive would force all consumer electronics manufacturers who sell devices in Europe to ensure that all smartphones, tablets, cameras, headphones, portable speakers, handheld video game consoles make sure that they are using a USB-C port to charge said device. They're calling it the, quote, common port, which would, like I said, affect companies that are not using the USB-C port. Who might that be? Well, obviously, they're targeting here Apple. Like, but let's be real here. They're they're the outlier here. You still have some that are using micro USB, but this is what they're targeting is they're targeting Apple with their lightning port. The uh, th- This is not new, though, because back in... Um, God, when was this? This was, I think, 2019. They had done similar push, similar legal push to do it, but it never ended up going anywhere. The big idea behind this is that they could possibly reduce waste and have other environmental benefits. Yeah, they reduced waste by taking our power yeah. to bricks out of all these yeah, phones. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, helpful. that's just buzzwords right there. I, I just want to know what you guys think of this. Do you think that it matters? And also, do you think that Apple might be close to giving in if there is legal legislation somewhere? Because I think like a few years ago, it made sense. Like even a couple of years ago, you're kind of like, yeah, I think Apple is just going to hold their ground and see how that all works out because they're, they're a behemoth. But with some of the USB-C working ins that they have been bringing even when it's been like a lightning to a USB-C cord or, you know, um, isn't the um, the ta- the iPad Pro has USB-C? Like, they're kind of been dipping their toes in, in the USB-C pond, so to speak. Yeah, they're well, using it. Like, my MacBook Air has two USB-C ports on it. Things like that. They call it the Thunderbolt part, right? But the latest announcement, the iPad Mini got a USB-C, but the iPhone 13 is still lightning. Right. Yeah, I don't understand their reasoning there. My guess is they're going to die on this hill until they get rid of that port altogether and go to all wireless charging, like has been rumored as something that Apple's pursuing to basically have the portless phone. We've heard we've had that rumor come through. In fact, I believe we've reported it on this show before. So, yeah, okay, the EU is going to keep pushing that, and eventually Apple's going to be like, yeah, no, we're just going to make the portless phone. Here you go. A few things here. First of all, I forgot to do the research, but I know there's countries that have laws that state that you have to include a charging block right. in the phone. And I know Apple's had to uh, comply with that. So that's one. Two, even if you mandate USB-C, there's going to be another cord at some point in time in the future that's going to transmit more data, more power, whatever. So the law is going to be antiquated in and of itself because the companies are just going to go with either a new cord or no cord at all. And then third of all, with the USB-C port in Apple, I think that the next evolution with Apple, and this is just me being a prognosticator right now, and I've been wrong often before, but I think their next thing 
looking forward will probably be a foldable phone. Mm. I don't know if that will include any sort of charging port or not. They might want to go wireless with that to reduce the amount of total uh, movable parts or functional parts on it or something like that. And I don't think that's going to be next year. I think we're two years out for that. I think we had a conversation on that either last week or the week before. So I think that's where Apple is going to strive for in the future, not necessarily concern themselves about this. But I do think it's really funny you having these phones which connect to computers, which connect to cars, which connect to charger ports. And I, I just think it's funny that they say, oh, no, we're not going to include a charger. We're not going to include a cord or we have to yeah. have our own cord that we're going to spend up million dollars for. Listen, if it's going to be a USB-C cord, make the best gosh darn USB-C cord out there so that everybody comes to you to buy their USB-C cord. Don't try to game the system and do your own like lightning cord. Heck, sitting next to me right here, I have one of the 30 port <laughs> cords that I still connect my iPod classic to on my computer that because I can take it into work. So there you go. Yeah, I, I think you bring up some good points um, in our chat. They're also bringing up the idea of going inductive charging. Um, we'll see. I think there's still a little bit of slowness on that, uh, especially when you look at where the current generation of wired charging is. I obviously they've improved the wireless charging in the last couple of years, but they also just made a big leap in most of the phones this year with have you guys uh, heard, wired charging. Have you guys heard of this whole room charging where yeah. anywhere yeah. in a room will charge it? I mean, I would worry about some radiation exposure with that. Microwaving my own flesh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's OK. I can get by. Um, moving fair. on to the next news point here, we've got the Witcher news. Yes, we do. And sorry, I was writing a comment in the chat room. So for those of you guys that are unaware, Netflix has a television program called The Witcher. We got season one a year and a half, two years ago, and it is also based off of an award-winning series of books. I will not try and say the author's name because my Polish is terrible, but you can look it up and find it for yourself. But it is also created a variety of video games, one of which is The Witcher 3 that a lot of people love. So there is a lot of hype and excitement around The Witcher Netflix series, and I watched it. I really enjoyed it a lot. I don't know. Did you guys watch The Witcher series? I haven't caught it yet, but I know that my co-host on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. really recommend it. Witcher uh, series? Yes, with Henry Cavill as Geralt of Rivia. Uh, which, which Witcher series are you talking about? Uh, I see what you're doing now. No, I haven't seen The Witcher. <laughs> so recently, this just this last week, Netflix was doing a big event because they're full in on The Witcher. They've been doing their own convention where they can announce news, things like that. We have season two of The Witcher hitting, I believe, in December. They did confirm at their event that they were putting on that Witcher season three will be happening. No release dates, anything like that. No talk about when it will be coming into production. But they did also say they will continue to expand what they're doing around The Witcher by doing a second anime film. And then also, this is the one that surprised me, a series designed for kids and families set in the same world. Very, very interesting to me. They also shared some trailers and some clips from season two of The Witcher that'll debut on the 17th of December. And then they did some behind the scenes looks at The Witcher Blood Origin, the live action prequel series they'll be doing. They've gone all in. If you like The Witcher, Netflix is like, 
We got one Witcher. We'll give you all the other Witcher content you want. I think it's a positive sign for folks because at this point in time, if Netflix is going to commit to all of these series and all of these movies and things like that, their support's not going anywhere anytime soon. So they're going to make it one of their tentpole franchises. <laughs> so short story, but enough to say that, hey, The Witcher, it's sticking around. It's now a tentpole franchise for Netflix. Netflix has abandoned whole IPs before. I mean, the various business reasons behind those decisions. So saying that Netflix is all behind The Witcher and it's not going anywhere ever, that's a little strong statement. I did not say ever, caveat. We should also keep in mind that it was also their most watched series they've ever put out. So it's in pretty good shape right now. They've had other IPs in that whole position before. There was a little... I don't know, political drama that occurred. Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. I forget what the name of that one was, but yeah. I'm deliberately not saying the name Uh. because I don't want to promote it. But yeah, that's just an example. But regardless, I know a lot of people love The Witcher and I look forward to when I can actually step up and spend some time watching it and go from there. I mean, I still haven't the the Vikings series that was on history channel they haven't put the last half season actually on history channel and that's just an example of another streaming series that i have to go and watch it's out it's available i just haven't seen it so yeah i'm i have a limited amount of time for for my content that i watch and i just got through a few of them we talked about them this year and i celebrate every single one because i'm like yeah it was a great series i'm glad i did it next like right now front foundation just was on apple tv plus i don't think either you two have apple tv plus right i still have the free year okay i don't have you seen have you seen the pilot episode of foundation chris no okay so i haven't either because i was under the weather this past weekend but i'm looking forward to when i do that so yeah it's just so much good content so little time well i am going to have a little more time here so i've been keeping a bit of a a sheet here of some some uh, TV programs that I might want to check out. Some new, some old, and I've, I've had it going for for a bit here um, and just have been, over, especially over the last couple of weeks, been adding to it. And so I have added The Witcher, quote, the series that will always be around, end quote, uh, as well as Babylon 5. That's what I've got there. <laughs> no, Chris didn't say that. I'll, I'll step up for him right now. He didn't say that, but I don't know. Do you want to say that? Do you want us to put it on the back of the box? Not not particularly, right. because every story has an ending point. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, speaking of ending points and TV shows, I uh, can't wait for Better Call Saul. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to that when that final se- season comes out. Bob Odenkirk is back on set filming again, too. Seemingly well recovered from his heart issues. Yes. All right, so you got NASA news, SP. What's the NASA news? Yeah, since this was going to be the last show of 2021, I wanted to make sure I included something for the future of space and space development. So NASA last week had a couple of announcements. They did released a statement, they had a press conference, and then they had a live stream all dealing with this. So what happened? In a statement released on Tuesday, September 21st, 2021, followed up by a NASA live stream, NASA Administrator Bill Nelson announced the restructuring of the Human Exploration and Operations Mission Directorate, which is currently led by Kathy Luters, into two new directorates. First one would be called Exploration Systems Development Mission Directorate, or ESDMD, 
and that will be led by Associate Administrator Jim Free. Now, the new directorate will define and manage systems development for programs critical to Artemis and the plan the moon to Mars exploration approach in an integrated manner. Jim Free has experience with leading the John Glenn Research Center in Ohio. Also, another new directorate called the Space Operations Mission Directorate, or SOMD, will be led by Associate Administrator Kathy Luters. Now, this directorate will focus on launch and space operations, including the International Space Station, the commercialization of low Earth orbit, and eventually sustaining operations on and around the moon. And the statement had a quote here. So, quote, creating two separate mission directorates will ensure these critical areas have focused oversight teams in place to support and execute for mission success. This approach, with two areas focused on human spaceflight, allows one mission directorate to operate in space while the other builds future space systems. So there is a constant cycle of development and operations to advance NASA's goal in space exploration, unquote. Guys, this is actually kind of exciting. It means that NASA is developing its own R&D to actually produce space systems that are then going to be used to actually go out and explore space, whether that's the moon, Mars, asteroids, beyond that. I think NASA is restructuring itself for the future rather than let's just get through this next Artemis program to get back to the moon in 2024, really 2025. Doesn't this sound a little bit about like NASA of yesteryear? Funny you should mention that. And I think you've read all the material, so I'm glad that you did. This is actually the two directorates that came together to form the Human Exploration and Operations Mission Directorate, and they're just going back to the way they were. So apparently the way that they were trying to make it leaner and meaner just didn't work for him. Okay, do you think though that this this formula has a place in modern space development as we have it right now in 2021 because like it feels like maybe it isn't leveraging the current climate of um space development. Well, let's just take the United States Air Force as an example, right? So the United States Air Force has the Air Force Research Laboratory, and that's really stuff in its not infancy, but you're taking concepts and you're applying them to be developed to something. They also have the uh, LCMC, which is their, their next step where they actually look at aircraft development so, so like think of the next generation f-22 the next generation tank or bomber whatever it is that's all done within that different directorate and then you've got the actual numbered air forces that go out and actually operate this sort of stuff so applying that model to nasa outside of nasa you have darpa which acts kind of like the way that afrl operates for the air force and then you have the mission directorate for the space operations mission directorate that's like lcmc is for the air force and then you have the exploration systems development mission directorate which is like the numbered air forces so this system already works for the united states government within the united states air force and as we all know government is a lean mean decision making machine. machine 
Well, and that is why the commercialization of space is so important. So the United States Air Force does not develop the next generation 747, 737, 777, Airbus 380, any of that stuff. The, the Air Force does not. That is developed by companies. So Boeing and McDonnell Douglas, now Lockheed, and all of those Airbus, they develop the airliners. So that would be the equivalent of Blue Origin or SpaceX or Dynetics or any of those systems creators out there. So yeah, it's a model that does work. It might not be the best, but it is what we have to work from today. And then hopefully as things start to explode, no pun intended, throughout the solar system, and this gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and we've got more companies involved, and newer technologies that make it even cheaper and faster, then I think the model will have to change at that point. Makes sense. Keep doing the thing that we've been doing because we've been doing the thing. Well, SpaceX is making it happen right now underneath that thing, so Fair I can't enough. argue with their success. Fair enough. It's the G-Force thing. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, next. trying to overcome inertia. <laughs> all right, let's go to the last news point here, which is all about... EVs! I had to end 2021 with an EV news article because Ooh. we love talking about EVs on the Guinea Geek Show. This is this is one of the things that I really like when we get into a good, thick EV conversation. And this one won't be one, but hey, let, let's end 2021 <laughs> with an EV, <laughs> EV news point. Uh, Ford and South Korean battery manufacturer SK Innovation are going to be investing... $11 billion to build several new factories in the Tennessee and Kentucky areas. This is going to be focused primarily on development and production of electric vehicles and the batteries that power them. Yes, they are looking to build uh, factories for building batteries because obviously if that's a big part of EVs, you need to be able to build said batteries. And these new facilities that Ford are building are apparently going to be built completely new from scratch. And this is the first from scratch new facilities that Ford has built in over 50 years. So it's been a while since they've built from scratch new facilities. And the Tennessee plant is going to be a, quote, mega campus, end quote, that will house the vehicle production facility for the F-Series pickup trucks. You know, the ones that are rivaling the uh, Cybertruck that SP has put a pre-order on. As well, there will be a battery assembly division and the twin factories in Kentucky, Kentucky, Kentucky will, well, I actually do know how to say that. I love Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, Kentucky will Matt, be solely focused on the lithium ion batteries being built there. Quote, this is a new Ford, end quote, said CEO Jim Far Farley. Quote, this is show not tell time, end quote. How do you like that phrase? I think it's very telling that they have not disclosed any new plants to go in West Virginia. <laughs> well, the, the bigger consideration here is, and I sort of get what you're getting at, and I'll take the bait. It's great they're building this new battery tech and want to invest in that. You know what they didn't tell me in any of these press releases? Where the hell I'm going to charge my new Ford F-150 Lightning truck at? Because... They don't have the infrastructure yet, and their partnership with Electrify America is great if your state has Electrify mm -hmm. America in it. Oh, wait, my state doesn't have any Electrify America charging stations in it. Yeah, that's okay. You can use coal to charge it. 
Well, I mean, Tesla is opening up their network. So in theory, you could charge your Ford Lightning truck on the Tesla supercharger at some point in time. But this is progress. This is good stuff. It's good they want to invest in that. EVs are the way of the future at some point in time, whether people want to deny it or not. But the problem still is and will continue to be, and the only people really addressing it, and I'm not being a Tesla fanboy saying this, is Tesla because they built the network and the vehicles at the same time. And everyone else is like, well, we're going to glom on to someone else's network to make this happen instead of making an investment in infrastructure to cause things to work. I'm excited as hell that they're going to make new batteries and smarter batteries. I just have no way to charge it other than in my house. I I think it's important to remember Tesla's position good now, but the way Tesla's ballooning, they may not be able to keep up with what is needed for the supercharger networks because you look at where they have them and a lot of times they are in a section of a parking lot. They're not going to be able to take over that whole parking lot. Like it won't happen because they're often positioned in non-owned property. So at the moment, they're positioned for that. But there is also the whole commuter aspect, which a large portion of people do use their vehicles for. They use they don't use them for traveling across the country. They use them on a daily basis to get to work and back and they can charge in their house. So I, I agree. I think it's a big problem that needs to be addressed. I think there's a whole question if people only have one vehicle, um, but in two vehicle households where you've got for a while, you can straddle the one gas vehicle, the one EV vehicle. I don't know that the long haul driving is as big of a concern um, as as we think it is. I have some other. Yeah, I have some other concerns for Ford F-150s. Predominantly, we're not thinking in terms of a work truck, which a lot of these trucks actually will be used Mm -hmm. for. Ford's actually been promoting them as a work truck. You can take it out to your job site and then use the battery to power your tools that's draining your battery. So you might not have enough battery to get to the job site and then use it in the job site and then return home because you've been using the battery the entire time, maybe even to power the home under construction as Ford has indicated that it is uh, capable of doing to an existing home anyway. So there is that aspect to it. Another aspect, I know I I can't remember if I told you guys about this, and I certainly probably didn't mention it on the podcast. On my way to Podcast Movement 2021 in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, a couple of months ago, I drove by the Kentucky Speedway. That's about halfway between Cincinnati and Louisville. In that speedway, it was chock full. Every single parking spot, the speedway itself, I could see it from the highway, was chock full of Ford trucks just sitting there doing nothing but sitting there. And that's the whole manufacturing issue or whatever. But it kind of surprised me that there's that many trucks being sold in America, just able to take over an entire speedway, the parking, the actual racetrack itself, all the infields, everything. It was just a massive field of Ford F-150s. So if we do get these new Ford F-150s, these EV F-150s, EF-150s, I think they're being called, whatever. If we do get them, there's just going to have to be a charging network that is built up to support them. If Ford doesn't do it, then somebody else is going to because you're going to make a lot of money off of it. That's just my two cents there. And there's a lot of reliance here in the United States in pending legislation where the government will help support EV rollout. But who knows how much that'll actually end up being when negotiations are done things like that. So it'll be very interesting to see how that happens and the future of EVs for 
EV expansion in the United States, let me put it that way, kind of depends on building out a network. And so you can get to a point where you don't feel like, well, I want to go visit my wife's family and that's 400 miles away. Yeah. We're going to have to take the gas car instead of the EV because there's nowhere to charge between here and there. And sadly, that's where we are in a lot of places. But then you continue to see folks building out Electrify America, building out Tesla's investing tons and tons of money into ongoing expansion every year. And if they're trying to open up to other folks, they can use that money to continue their expansion. It'll be interesting to see five years from now, maybe even three years from now, where we are with charging infrastructure. No, and I want to just hit on a couple quick points um, on the idea of going to job site and using it. Um, the F-150, I got to say, I don't know what's going to be as big of a concern as we kind of think it is, because one of the aspects of the F-150 that they're actually touting is that they're touting it as backup power for your home. And they're saying like basically up to three days worth of power. Um, and then uh, the they, whole they, house, they're including saying, they're the saying, HVAC system. They're saying um, based on 30 kilowatt hours per day, um, they're saying uh, power up to three days or up to 10 days if power is ra- uh, rationed. In any okay. case, those numbers are indicating to me that a job site would be like a non-issue. But, a job site, including driving back and forth to the job site? I, I think, it, well, I guess it depends on how far away your job site is, right? That, that's, and how cold it is. Yes, yeah. temperature is a big thing. But the key that they're going to with the F-150 here that is not being considered as they talk about this. Yeah, it's great to use on the job site because the thought is you're taking the vehicle back to your warehouse or to your home overnight. Well, you need to have that outfitted with at least a level two charger so that you can right. charge that battery back up so that you can do that tomorrow. And in often cases for personal users, level two is fine because you can plug it in and then say six hours, have your battery fully recharged just off the wall. That is not just using a regular wall outlet, though. That's using like a NEMA 1450 or NEMA 1430 plug or something like that. I will say, though, I don't know that you'll be getting a lot of people that are buying uh, an electric truck for either of those reasons, that they're they're wanting to go They're They're a worker. I'm going to take it and use it to power my job site. No, that worker is already putting a generator in the back of their truck. And they'll probably continue to put a generator in the back of their truck for that job site. As well, the whole home thing. I think people are also going to be aware of that, of the fact that you're probably not going to have your truck sitting there charged for the whole house. So I think both of these situations are are maybe more marketing speak than it will be practicality. What I do want to say, though, is that I I 100% agree that I think that there is a problem that you said, Chris, right now with the practicality of, you know, having to have one vehicle to go for the trip versus the electric and um, how that is where we're currently at um, versus where we want to be in the future. I think that that's a very valid point. And you and I have talked offline. I did upgrade the family vehicle just a few weeks ago. And I considered an EV, but in the end of it, like I, I was really thinking about it, but in the end of it, th- there just was not enough check box boxes for a family vehicle that's the dependable vehicle to go on road trips that might want a little bit of towing capacity and being able to comfortably fit a family of four, which does possibly include other people coming along. Like the EV market just isn't there. So I, I made the conscious decision that Maybe this will be the last newer uh, vehicle that I'll buy that's gas. Maybe not. We'll see where the future goes. But I made the decision that if I was going to go with the EV market, I have to do exactly what you described, which is basically balance the 
couple of vehicles in the house. So I, I think you are 100% right on that, Chris. My parents just replaced both of their vehicles within the last year, two years, we'll say. And they deliberately did not go with an EV because of the recapitalization cost on the battery. So at some point in time, you're going to need to throw a new battery in it. 10 years off, something like that. You're still going to have to throw a new battery in it. And that cost really had them shy of actually pulling the trigger. So if you actually, getting back to the story here, Stephen, if you <laughs> create the infrastructure to not only build this stuff, but actually do research and development to make even better batteries yes. and cars, then I think in 10 years, then I think we're headed in a direction that having two electric vehicles or EVs per house for, and, and okay, so we're all married. We, we all have another person in the house that needs a car, that sort of thing. So having two vehicles that are EV is a real possibility. And as far as my trips back and forth to the lake, I am completely capable of taking that with a Tesla right now. Uh, oh. Ford EV 150, eh. but a Tesla, it would, I, I'm going to stop anyway for, for gas to get out of the car, <laughs> the latest trip to let this dog out. But it's going to take me a certain amount of time to do that anyway. And you don't recharge like the Teslas. You don't recharge them to 100% whenever you stop. So you just recharge them to a point and then you move on to the next charger. That's the way they do things. So, yeah, I'm fully capable of doing that. I've already mapped out my truck, my trip with the Cybertruck. I, I can do it. Uh, on the note of the batteries, I am curious to see where we go, because like in this information, Ford was talking about building lithium ion batteries. Um, I'm curious how much longer we have of lithium ion batteries for the EV market. Uh, there's been other big battery markets that are switching over to lithium, uh, lithium iron phosphate, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, a lot I, of marine batteries are like, that yeah, so I'm the curious to see where we go with that. The new short-range Tesla Model 3, I believe, is using a lithium-ion phosphate battery. Uh, it's okay. the formula they were using in uh, China, and then when they wanted to get orders through here, they're asking people to accept that version battery here in the States. And I guess one of the advantages of the new Tesla battery is you can charge it to 100% and it's happy. It's not like with the, with the majority of their batteries now where they say, charge it to 100 if you're going on a road trip, but you don't want to stay at 100 for long because the battery doesn't like it. Did you guys read a story? I don't think I sent it to you guys. Uh, a story on China's EV market and uh, the hundreds of manufacturers that they have mm -hmm. over there for different EVs. It's and fascinating. China, China as a company, they wanted to. So all the provinces, I forget what they're called exactly. All the provinces wanted to really invest in it because it was a big growing market, right? So they had dozens in each province of new quote unquote companies. You know, the company is a term that's loosely used <laughs> in China, but they had dozens of these companies in each province, which led to hundreds of EV manufacturing companies. And a lot of them are going bankrupt right now, just because there's just not enough market for everybody and not everybody was successful with it. But the ones that do come out of it have succeeded and have innovated to the point where they have really good stuff. I'm really looking forward to the future technology coming out of China in terms of EVs, because I think the process that they've had to go through will be completely different than the process that we've had to go through in the United States because you're dealing with all of these mega lobbyist corporations like Ford, Mopar, and GM 
that have prevented startups, quote unquote startups like Tesla, from really gaining a huge hold on the market. Interesting. Um, also, I think that on the battery front, there's a bit of a chat in our Discord going or in our Discord slash Twitch chat uh, going on about the idea of creating more EV infrastructure versus more battery development and, and where that balance is. I just got to say, I think obviously the solution for EV batteries is to just do what the Chevy Bolt uses. Those seem reliable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel bad for all those Chevy Bolt owners. But that's going to go ahead and take us towards the end of the show. Before we wrap up, I just want to say to everybody who is in our chat room now, who is watching us later, who is listening to us later, however you're consuming this, thank you very much for all the support. Thank you for everything. We do hope to come back in some form in 2022. Like I said, keep your ears out towards the end of the year slash early 2022. We'll have an update one way or another. The hope is to find a way to make it all work. I do love talking geek tech news with these guys here. I've mentioned last time some of the things got to figure out in my life and whatnot. I like talking space news with these guys. I like talking about EV news with these guys. I like talking all sorts of geeky topics on this, and we'll see what we can figure out. But thank you for supporting the show. This is, I know, the biggest break that we have had on here. And the reason I'm saying thank you right now is just because, obviously... I mentioned trying to figure this out. So perhaps there could be some chance that maybe, you know, we come back for one final episode or something like that. But hopefully that's not the case. But more importantly, I, I recognize that when you take a break, like a few months, sometimes people don't come back. And so if you end up being one of those people that that happen to not come back, first off, you're breaking my heart, but that's okay. Uh, but secondly, I just want to thank you before you go away. Thank you for listening and watching. Again, we hope to come back in some capacity. Keep your eyes out on the Guinea Geek Discord, on the Twitter. Come to the Discord and chat with us and check out the other shows that these two do because as far as I know, they're still doing them. You got Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. for SP. You got All Things Good and Nerdy for Chris Farrell. They're going to give you all of that wonderful warmth that you love from each of them on a weekly warmth? basis. No? Warmth. We're gonna we're gonna actually restart up Starling Tribune and talk all about Babylon Five on Starling Tribune. Sweet. Seems like a bad fit for a show, but okay. You know what? It's no, just Babylon like Five's having... a bad fit for CW. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. Exactly. Set you up great for that. But seriously, thank you for listening, and also more importantly, thank you. Well, I shouldn't say more importantly, but I'll say it. Uh, thank you to Chris and SP again for everything over the last little while. And again, for supporting me on uh, this. I mentioned it last week. I really was the one that made the push to take a little bit of a break here. And these two are very understanding. And so I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Thank you very much. I know I'm doing Christmas hat in September because of this, but thank you very much. Is there anything that either of you would like to say, uh, Chris Farrell? Give me five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> But setting that one up, oh, wow. Months, haven't you? wow. One of these days, I'll get paid my five dollars, and that day will be a happy day. No, no, seriously. So, like Steven said, we are taking a break. I hope that you guys do come back and join us in whatever iteration we return as. And if you don't, that's fine. We accept that. But please stay active and chit chatting with us, be it in the Discord, on Twitter, or in the Facebook, or whatever. We like hearing from you guys. Part of what makes this so fun this show is when we do it live 
all of you guys who sit in the chat room and converse with us that heckle us occasionally or fix things that I say because I know I'll say something incorrectly. But no, no, here's the actual sourcing. Really do appreciate it. And I enjoy that connection we get to have with you guys. And it's just fun. So I hope that in whatever form we return in, you guys come back and check things out and just stay tuned to all our social medias. We'll let you guys know as we get closer to what's going on. And hey, we might even be asking you guys opinions on things you may or may not want to see. Who knows? Social media, that's the best way to figure out what's going on going forward. Aspie, is there anything that you would like to say? I want to say thank you both for having me on the Guinea Geek show years ago as a guest replacement for one or two of the longstanding hosts that started the show. So you gave me a chance to be here and I really appreciate being able to be here. And we've had a lot of fun over the years. We really have. And I really appreciate that. And I want to say special thanks to our audience for not only just putting up with me talking about space, but actually getting into it and listening to it and interacting with us offline off of the show here in our discord and Twitter, really going back and forth with everything. This is an amazing, exciting time with space exploration. And I have been able to follow it more closely than I normally would have from just the bystander point of view, even though I am a rocket scientist and, and kind of work in a portion of the industry, but I have been able to follow the entirety of it a lot closer. And that's meant a lot to me. And then being able to share that and have conversations with other people, that's been great. I'm, I'm looking for, as I said before, since this will be the last show of 2021, I'm looking forward to the launches of the SLS and the big Starship and Starship Heavy, hopefully later on this year. If I don't go see them in person, I definitely will be watching them from my 4K TV at home. Where would and you go see them? I would see them from the beach in Florida and oh. Texas. Well, in Texas, though, where where particularly would you oh, go? You, you, you're wanting me to say Boca Chica, right? <laughs> yeah, Boca Chica, Boca Chica, Boca Chica, which is, which is now Spaceport USA, or at least portion of it. So yeah, I, I would definitely love to go do that. We'll see if that's going to be a possibility or not. It it honestly might come down to a timing issue where they say, okay, we're going to go tomorrow. And there's just no way that I can get from where I am to there overnight. So we'll, we'll see how that all lays out. But I'm really looking forward to that. And it's really all been because of you, the audience, the, the listeners here, you put up with me leading up to all these great events, uh, talking about the industry, talking about the developments. And uh, same with you, Stephen and Chris, for allowing me to talk uh, probably more than my fair share of the news articles from week to week. Sometimes when there's so much science and so much development that's been happening, not only that, but to be able to talk about just everyday stuff like smart homes, technology, smartphones, the Note 7, the, you know, the everything. It's been a fun thing for me to do. And I just want to thank everybody for doing that. And I want to say a special thanks to our live audience. You guys have been really fun just to read the chat while I'm actually recording. I can't all the time interact with the live chat, but I can guarantee you I read everything that you are saying and it has been hilarious. So thank you for being there. I really appreciate that. And yes, we will be available. We will be available in our Discord, which you can find at gunnageek.com slash Discord. The next best place is our Twitter account at gunnageek or any of our individual Twitter accounts. Please follow us. Please interact with us when we post there. 
And then we will let you know what's going on in 2022. Awesome. So for episode number 393 of the Official Gonna Geek Show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying for those of you who watched the video, you noticed at the end, it's a 2020, the whole 2021. I'm SB saying thank you very much, everybody. Bye. I'm Chris. I stole my GD five dollars. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.